shoes. Even if it was for just one day. Mr. Kershaw, A Pensioner Writes, is a captivating collection of letters to musicians analysing lyrical anomalies in their work. The span of musical styles being covered in the book are vast. From Yes to Yaz, and from Take That to Frank Turner via Heaven 17 and Saxon. Yes, you heard me correctly. Saxon. Metal! The observations of this retired proofreader Derek Philpot and his friend Wilf Turnbull are thought-provoking and amusing in equal measure and garner enlightening replies from the musicians they target. The pedantry, or rather, the attention to detail is spot on. In the TDRS studio to discuss the gestation of the book is the brainchild of Dear Mr Kershaw, and he also happens to be the son of Derek Philpot himself. His name is David. It's very rare that I get to start an interview with the following question. It started at a wedding. How did it start? It was. So, it's so simple the way it started. Um, we were at a wedding, my friend, in 2008. So it's pushing eight years ago now. And... Um, my dad and his dad were at the wedding and it was at the point in the evening where all the speeches have been done. No one's got anything to do. It's that vacuous, that, that period where nothing's happening, you know. So, so before people had danced at the disco and the DJ was putting on these records and um, because like him, my dad and his dad were getting a little bit drunk. They, they were saying funny things about the records and what we found it really amusing was they didn't know who the artists were so so because me and my friend like a massive music fanatics we'd say you can't say that about x bands you know but they wouldn't know who they were because they're just listening to the lyrics and um they were saying things like living in a box what's he doing living in a box he's a pop star where's all his money gone <laughs> and like i was saying to my friend this is really really funny um and they kept on going saying funny funny things jackson's don't blame it on the sunshine don't blame it on the moon like What's that got to do with not having a girlfriend and that sort of thing? And um, then about we were talking about it a lot, and then we we said we said to, said to our dads, do, do you mind if we maybe sort of like ultimately maybe put together we'll put put together a Facebook page of just what you say, okay? Um, based on records, I mean sometimes we'll be sort of in the car next to them going to say, and the record will come on and they wouldn't know it wasn't necessarily funny. It's like, that's really really funny. Um, and uh, or sometimes I would just be around their house, whatever. It got to the point at the end where we just played the records and say, what do you think of that? Or are you really going to let them get away with that? Um, and uh, we put the website together and it started off with just 50 people on Facebook. Then we put the website together, which was like the germs of the letters, which, which me and my friend would flesh out. And then we'd put, we'd put a lot of the jokes in um, and then we'd flesh them out. And that's how it started, from nothing. I like to look at the back of books before I delve into them. And yours is quite interesting in that 
the Queen of Mean, Julie Burchill, really sings your praises. What did you do to garner the support of, of this very bile-ridden woman? By her own admission, she's like this. And she compares you to John Shuttleworth. This is a good thing. Right. I don't know too much about her, OK? The, because, because we've been running this thing from Facebook, it was just a mutual friend called Rachel McCarthy who said, um, I'll put this on to Julie. And that was it. Um, and uh, I sent her the website and I think approved of the book. And uh, then she came out with that lovely quote, and I said, "Can we use it?" I said, "Because we, we we will be publishing at some point." And she said, "Yeah, smiley face." And I've not spoken to her since. <laughs> she's okay. <laughs> that's that's more than okay. I mean, she's a very harsh character. I mean, having her approval is a rare thing. She owes her career to being very, very opinionated. Her columns are filled with bile. I think she dislikes herself. I did not know that. <laughs> so, a highly intelligent person, but uh, yes, a very harsh critic. Are you troubled by spots, blemishes and flaky skin? Well, download the Dookie Radio Show every Monday and your skin will be looking clear, radiant and luscious in no time. The Dookie Radio Show, your key to beautiful skin. Oh, hello, darling. Has anybody told you that you've got beautiful skin? Yes, all the time. Dear Mr Kershaw, a pensioner writes, is inspired by your father's humorous rants about lyrical anomalies. By any chance, have you heard of a book by Justin Halpern called Shit My Dad Says? No, but it sounds like it's very, very close to what we're doing. <laughs> it's kind of like an, an American version. <laughs> and what was the timeline between being at that wedding, which took place how many years Two, ago? It's, it's 2000 and Eight, it happened. So I nearly eight years nearly eight ago. Years ago, and I think I, th I think we had the website together pretty quickly. I, th I think the whole thing was was done within two or three months. And and I hate to use a cliche, the rest is history. It was a very very organic process in that we only had like fifty people talking, and then it became friends like like Jude, what you said about Julie Birchall somebody would say you want you should read this this is really funny and then of course it didn't grow exponentially with us having not having to do anything then we were a thousand friends before we knew it and then it just got worse and better and better and better yeah yeah worse and worse and worse <laughs> <laughs> in terms of transforming the the website from just merely being observations that your father has made about lyrical content to actual letters to the musicians themselves. How did that happen? Did you orchestrate that or did your father no. feel duty bound to set pen to paper? And I presume it really is pen to paper rather than through the, the interweb, unless your father's a big silver surfer, is he? Uh, he's... It's really bad. My dad would literally say, "You've got to come round because I've got, I've got to Google a YouTube, and I've got to print I've got to print a PDF through an Adobe, and I don't know what it means." He, what would he do? He, he he said to me a few weeks ago, "I've got this big problem. I've got this big problem. The computer's definitely going to break, and it's, you've got to dedicate the whole afternoon to it. Okay, just <laughs> don't do anything. Send so, him so, the truth. So, yeah. So I went around this. Yeah. All that happened was that um, he just had this spam. It was just one button. And then I thought, now I have the rest of the day to myself, all right? He doesn't know what he's doing. He's getting he's getting slowly better at it. But, um, 
No, it it was it starts so to answer your question. What we thought was really funny was the fact that we had the letters on the website, and we thought they were just going into the ether. We didn't think anyone was looking at them other than the general public. Okay, and we thought it was really funny that we had these inquiries to the pop stars just sitting there on the internet with nothing happening. Mm. Do you understand? <laughs> it sounds crazy. We, we like the vacuum of it. And we like the fact that there's these very relevant funny questions out there that no one's ever going to see other than the people outside the music world and then in 2010 um a friend of mine called colin who it was a fan right from day one said look peter hamill's read your website okay um he thinks it's boss if you write a letter to him he'd reply are you up for it and that's where the whole thing turned because we then be, it became like a uh, a cultivated thing yet where we were writing before we were writing knowing we were going to get a response back you understand right so yeah. instead of just capturing your father's observations about tracks that he may have been introduced to by me or by yourself on the radio got the yeah. Sainsbury's or whatever this mm. was it became a cultivated process then where we were by right this Prog Legend has agreed in principle to respond to a dialogue. So what should we write to him about? So it, it, we had to had, had, we had to stage it, not stage it. We had to listen to records and look for stuff, okay? Um, and we found something quite quickly. But interestingly about that is there have been a few artists that have come to us and say, look, someone so told me about this, I'm really up for it. And I've looked at it. And I've been around with dad or I've done it over the phone with him. And I've gone, the lyrics are so perfect with this group, okay, that we're going to have to construct a letter around us getting the wrong end of the stick. Because there's no point forcing an, an, ambi an ambiguity out of this particular songwriter because the lyrics are perfect. Okay, mm. I, I, I tell you who it was. I don't mind. It was Stiff Little Fingers. Okay, right. Um, and I started to read. I started to read the lyrics, and I started to play the records, and I thought, this is a tr a proper punk band. You know, they are there singing about their situation, a very volatile situation. There's no way that me and my family are going to start taking a dig at that. You know, this bloke's writing from the heart. You know. Um, and about fairly emotive issues concerning the troubles and life in Belfast. Writing about it brilliantly as well. Mm. So I'm not. We're not going to go and take a dig at that. Um, but th that's when the, the tables did change because people were just coming to us and saying, "Look, I really like what you're doing, and would you?" I would be not. Would you please write to me? But I would definitely enter into a dialogue. Were you to write? Were you to write to me? So that's that's where it started to become a little bit more us going to them. If you see what I mean. So quite organic. So initially, totally. you you put the website together yeah. as a way to let the general public know about your father's fantastic observations. And I must ask, because the observations featured in Dear Mr. Kershaw, A Pensioner Writes, aren't just your father's, but also Wilf Turnbull's. That's right. Could you tell me a little bit about their relationship and how his input totally. also features? Yeah, I'm really pleased to address this because we get this up, we get asked this all the time. Who the hell is Wilf? Yeah. 
what it started off at is that we decided we called the we called the website wolfturnbull.uk.co.uk and we were doing the letters as, as a joint effort okay so if my dad had a funny observation we'd still stick it under a wolf letter then it became quite clear that because my dad is like sort of an East End type, he's very blunt and he's, he says it like it is. But on the other hand, Wilf is a lot more polite. It was pretty clear to a lot of people that these were two different voices. So at that point, we decided to come clean is the wrong word, but just say, look, let's be honest and say, look, we can't write it all under Wilf. It really is the two of us. Mm. OK. And then my output became so prolific with dad that on the other side the uh, the two guys just said look we don't really want a double bombardment on facebook of us talking to each other and which i thought was a good idea actually he's, he's still welcome to come back um let's just make it so that you do your stuff and we do our stuff but we become so prolific that in the end that, that they said look we we kind of can't keep up with you okay so just it's your baby now just go with it although uh, when we did the book, I said to him, look, um, just for balance, I'd really love a couple of Wilf letters in there, new ones, okay? So there's Paul Heaton for you, okay? And there's Heaven 17 for you, okay? Just so it'd be nice to get a couple of new ones in, you know? And they were fine with that because I think it's really nice. And when he does come back, he comes back sporadically but brilliantly. And it's really nice. You can totally see it's two different people. Every one of those letters has come from a different source. You know, it's a lot of it's come from friends of friends. Sometimes the managers, sometimes the artists approach us themselves. We didn't have much time through going through gatekeepers or, or official management channels. So um, sometimes we'll, we'll pull the reader's leg and pretend that Dad was up a ladder listening to uh, Wave 108 magic or whatever when the reality what's happened in reality is we're panicking like hell because certain pop stars said yeah let's have a letter let's get on to it so i was like uh, dad we've got to make a story up now <laughs> we've got a pretty good excuse to, to have heard this record you know so smoke and mirrors one thing i love about the letters is the minutiae of your father's life that gets explored before the, the questions get asked. Yeah. And in many cases, this might be what he's about to have for dinner and what car he's driving. So He's got a Duke also, now. Right. And he had a micro before that. Right. And he seems quite proud of the, the Duke in particular and its top speed <laughs> when he wrote to Tracy Chapman oh, with regards right. to fast car. You get a fast car. I want a ticket to anywhere. That's right. I'm having no part of that. I'm not driving around the city. I've got a clean license. <laughs> when I first saw the title of the book, um, Dear Mr. Kershaw, I thought it was making reference to DJ Andy Kershaw. Obviously, it relates to the pint-sized musical genius from East Anglia, Nick Kershaw. You could have chosen any of the names of the artists who you're... Um, father's letters targeted how did you go about choosing him as opposed to the 100 plus others that feature in the book okay um without going into too much detail we had an alternative uh, title for the book based on uh, based on another pop star and that was just um in homage to the fact that he was the first letter we did uh we um couldn't use that name and uh because we use Facebook for everything and we use social media for everything and um, without Facebook and without the fans there would be no book I would not be sitting here now uh, we basically said look guys we can't call it dear mister mm -mm -mm. Um, 
can we have your votes on on as to who you would like to to, to have as a title instead? And it was it was unanimous. It should be this guy. Um, <clears throat> I then uh, wrote uh, an email to uh, to Sarah, his wife. And said, "Look, this is where we are. We can't, we can't call this book the, the, the previous title anymore. You know, could you speak to Nick? Or am I talking to Nick now? Because it's like shorthand. His it, email. It could, it could mm. be either of them. And he came back and said, I'm honoured. Totally privileged.'" And we, t- I told the fans, and they were. And they were ecstatic, and rightly so. And, and in, in retrospect, that was done within this big maelstrom, and I thought it was, it was a something that had to be done very quickly because we had to, we, we were looking to get to, to print. But looking back now, thinking in re- in retrospect now, it's it's the the perfect person we could have picked because Nick is not only just this fantastically good bloke, but he's a musician's musician, and he's a great musician but other people love him other musicians love him he has know? the likability factor I've never met anyone who doesn't like him you know and what a great reply as well it involves shoe sizes I will leave you to discover why hilarious reply and, and very much the spirit of the, yeah, the, the book that's the second one we had you know right yeah the first reply we had was from was from uh, Peter Hamill and the second one we had was Nick because uh, my friend caught him backstage at one of his gigs in Bournemouth and said, are you up for it? And he went, yep. <laughs> and we had the reply back like the next day. So many of the artists are really good natured about it and clearly understand the attention to detail that only a, a retired proofer could deliver. I also understand there were some musicians who were a bit resistant in terms of the whole project and uh, took a while to get back to you. Yeah, yeah. So, so, <laughs> this is quite funny, actually. With the Rick Waitman letter, it concludes with Rick saying, can I have more information from you? So that meant us writing another letter back to him. And when, when we looked at the reply from him, which, which demanded another reply, I thought... How the hell would you reply to these things? It was like a boot on the other foot, you know. I thought, what are we going to do with this? You know, <laughs> what are we going to do and, 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 and try and be funny? So um, we, sometimes we get pop stars who say, yeah, we'll get involved. And then, yeah, this looks quite fun. And then you write the letter and you, you just, you never hear from them again. <laughs> You put them in their place. They were humbled. Sometimes I'm not sure if it's that Andy, or they just look at it and they thought the same as I as I thought when we got the reply, when we got the Rick Waitman reply. Say, where do I start to answer this? <laughs> you know, you know, Vic Goddard. Mm. What a great bloke, Vic Goddard. Basically said, I'd love to get involved in this, so I sent him the letter, right, which took about two or three days to construct, and he came back with his little blanket reply saying yes this is a lovely observation I said no this is this thick that's not how it works alright <laughs> you're going to have to spend a day alright reading that letter and coming back with a com- comprehensive reply detailing the points and the grievances we have with your work okay <laughs> and then he sort of got it that it's all done in character you know <laughs> 
So when we've got resistance, it's normally in in the form of people just saying, either not replying in the first place to our sort of request. Protest type which, number one. Which is fine. It's, of yes. course it's fine. You know, we, we, who are we to, to demand a reply to, to, to that question? Or they just say, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do it. And then they get the letter and then it's like... <laughs> <laughs> End of dialogue, that's it. <laughs> Sudden silence from the headquarters of Ad Name of Pop Star here. I love Julianne Regan from All About Eve's reply because it's very much in the spirit Can I just of your father's. You? Uh, that is so weird that you should say that name of all names because on one of her threads, on, on Facebook, one of her friends said something like, um, well, of course they're going to reply because they feel they are obliged to because they've got this letter from this pensioner and his son. I sit by the um, and I thought, this guy must actually think that everyone we write to replies out of some sort of obligation. That's... We no. can write a thousand emails, all right, mm. and we'll only get one and a half responses. You know, um, for, for 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 every letter that you see in that book, there's fifty we try to get. Is that the ratio? It's pretty heavy, right? Fifty. To it's getting one. easier now because obviously people. I mean. Um, we had this great review in uh, Louder Than War last week, a really good review. And we've had reviews in Record Collector and Classic Pop. There's not been a bad review yet. So a lot of the pop stars read it and they go, this is just a, a great bit of fun. Mm. And obviously a great way of us showing that we can showcase we've got a sense of humour as well. So, I mean, Vix from Fuzzbox, we've been talking for months. Okay, she's lovely. Um, but um, we re- we recentered the review. We said, "Look, Vix, this is the review we've had from Landon of the War." And she goes, "Okay, I, I really better get onto this now." Okay. <laughs> um, so um, sometimes it can take like weeks or months or a couple of years to get a reply back. With Julianne Regan, I love the fact that she went into her own minutia of. Life's goings on. Um, she mentioned having been burgled, yeah, and yeah. very much was caught up in the spirit of everything, including her medication amounts, which recalled a bit of the detail that your your father puts into it. Yeah, whereas yeah. some other people were a bit more, shall we say, short, sharp, and to the point. Not in a rude way, but mm. um, maybe who were reluctant to rise to the occasion. I think TV Smith being an example. You're very, very polite, but this is what I did. This is art. You're taking it too seriously, dot, dot, dot. Were there any replies that didn't make the book? Yeah, loads. Loads. Would you care to share who well, they were to, from? To get back to Julian, Julianne for a second, um, it was her reply and Tasman Archer's reply which set the bar, in my opinion, because because we'd only, had, we'd only had about five replies, OK? Um... Tasmin and Julianne read the whole content of the letters that we'd sent. They were into pages, a couple of these letters. Um, and they addressed each point, okay? Mm. And they, in my opinion, set the bar. What's interesting also is that Julianne spoke to Brian Grogan, who's a mutual friend of ours. We get all of our leads from Facebook, Andy, okay? It's a small world. Yeah. 
somebody will say, I know someone, they know someone, we can get to this person for you. Um, Brian Grogan sent Julianne the, the website and she said, there's no way that these replies are real. The, the, no, nobody, Nobody's going to do this, all right? And then when it became obvious, he said, look, yes, these replies are real. Peter Hammer was real. Nick Kershaw was real. Howard Jones, it's all real. She then became totally on board with it. And um, when she was given the option of knowing more information about us, okay, um, she said, I like how it is. I like the fact that we've got this dialogue here. We're just talking in the way of communication through letters in the old-fashioned way. Again, we, I've got a friend, I'm just name-dropping here, just, just friends on Facebook, Tim Brooks, Tim Brooks, um, who wrote for Record Collector, okay? And uh, we got to the point where I, I had, like, um, the book was funded, and we had about 210 pages to fill. I couldn't go any further than that, okay? And I thought it was essential that we got some of these mini letters in there, okay? Because it just, we called them breathers, you know? It was like the two-line the, the, the two letters that never got responses or we didn't, or they, they didn't get to the pop stars. But um, I found myself in the quite enviable position whereby we had just too much material. And I, I told Facebook this. I said, we've got room for probably 65 to 70 letters. I've got 130 here. Okay, and it's it's becoming, it's. I, th I think Seinfeld called it cu cutting muscle, didn't he? He said, you, you, once the fat's gone, okay, mm. you're then cutting into decent stuff. Okay, you've got to cut decent stuff out. Um, and uh, Tim Brooks, who, who I've got a friend, there's a friend on Facebook, said, if you're at the stage where you're having to cut in cut into good stuff and get it out that just shows what a good quality book you've got here because it's the opposite of padding indeed yeah so there was there was a couple in there that i i didn't put gong in there um david allen um we'd got a really good response from him uh through through carvis from knife world who was in cardiac so i'm good friends with um but it was i considered to be too soon after his after 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 he went for me to put that letter in, and for, uh, and uh, even though I did get clearance from the family, I did. They they'd read the letter and said that this we're fine with it, but I, th I just thought, no, it's just not right. Okay, um, I couldn't get Steve Hackett in there. We would just run out of room. There's a couple of and there's a couple of names in there that should be in there. I couldn't get Spiz in there, um, but they're all sort of in the in the in the background for volume two. They're always going to be there. Dear Mr Kershaw, a pension of rights was financed through crowdfunding. How long did that process take and how did the this whole live and still growing entity go from being website to actual book? All right, OK. Well, what, what happened there was that um, we've had approaches from major publishers f for years now, but it's all been insistent upon the letters are, do, are too convoluted. You need to drop this big word out of here. You need to tone this one down because uh, we, we we did one to Iggy Pop, which we never got a reply from. Um, because the original idea was we were going to publish this as a book with no replies. Back back, back in the day, you could that, easily I, have done that. I know, yeah. I know. Looking back, but what, what we've got is a lot better. But uh, we had a couple of big publishers said, "Look, we love this concept, but you're saying that." Um, Iggy Pop can't be your dog because you've got you've got to get him through customs and because of his drug problems, there's going to be problems getting through quarantine. And they said you can't you can't write this. <laughs> and we said, well, and that that ethos has always stayed with me to say, well, they are what they are, and you're not going to change a word, okay? Um, so 
we went to a big publisher in January and they said, this is, have you got replies? We said, they're all real. We can justify all of them. We can prove they're all real. Now I wanna be your dog. Um, that's another thing. Sometimes on Facebook, you've got fake, you've got fake profiles. You can't be sure that you're speaking to that, to that pop star. So you've, mm. you've got to cross, you've got to cross reference all the time. Um, so, uh, and we've got an email box to, to kill. I've got email addresses to kill for. Okay, but that it's all done on the basis that it's all candid, it's all completely disclosed. We don't share any information. Um, so we were going to um, publish, and we got a knockback in January, a big, big knockback. We thought it was going to happen. It didn't happen. It got to the point where I said to the fans, we've got a massive announcement coming. Oh, my God, it's definitely happening. You it, were just seconds away from signing on the dotted line, and then a, something... It, it, it was just a question of budgets. We, all, all we were down to was, was, was how much it was going to cost to get this bit of printing done. I thought, this is it. We're going to tell the fans. And then I phoned the people involved, and they said, no, we put a comedy book out last year. It didn't really run. I said, but what's that got to do with this? This is something completely different. It didn't happen. Anyway, so we had a very sort of dark 10 minutes and I, I I told my dad the news and the beauty of my dad being a pensioner and being naive is he doesn't really understand how Facebook works if that if that makes any sense mm. so I, I'll say I said dad there's no market for it he went oh but um haven't we got 10,000 friends on on the books I went, yeah, but Dad, they're, they're not our real friends, Dad. I mean, they're just people we talk to. Well, they say they're my friends. Why don't you ask them for a tenner, all right? So, and then I thought, my God, what a brilliant idea. If we, if we keep it organic and, and, and crowdfund it, it started on Facebook, it will finish on Facebook, or, it, or, the, or the first stage of it will finish on Facebook. And um, then, then the campaign went together. And um, I've got a friend in, I've got a bookshop, that, that I, I've just moved to Wiltshire, as you know. There's a, there's, there's a bookshop there in Devizes, and they, they, they know about the success of this campaign. And they said, look, my friend wants to put a campaign together for a musical. What do you do? I said, just make damn sure they've got a following. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Because you're not going to get it from passing traffic. No. Okay, so my dad recognised that we had a big bank of people there that were fans of what we did. And if we kept it organic and we kept it through kickstarter because we controlled the content of the book um then it would all end well and again this i'm very very sort of passionate about this these musicians got together out of love for this project and they just saw it for what it is which is just two guys okay mm. plus you know will and and his lad it was never any more than four people now it's two okay therefore I'm never going to go with a major on this, ever. It's never going to happen. Don't ever worry about that because I see that as a betrayal of the love and the cottage industry vibe that the, that the pop stars and the, and, and the Facebook fans have bought into, you know. And I, Dad's with me on this. So don't, don't sell out, you know, because it will just ruin the whole thing. So the next book will, be, will either be crowdfunded or I don't know, but you can, I promise you it won't be done through a major publisher. The publishing industry has changed so much that ultimately self-publishing no longer has a stigma attached to it. You know, we live in an era where this is now, you know, de rigueur. People are doing it all the time. And ultimately, if you have a, a following and the the spirit of independence is, you know, very much um, at the forefront of what you're doing, 
I think it's the only way to go, and that there's there's a beauty in doing that. And you, it's... You, you are right, and you are right. But the only thing that still remains, that the only stigma that still remains, is it's still seen as vanity as vanity publishing, even though it's not. Okay, so the implication in people's minds is that they're getting that out there self-published because no one else would touch it. Okay, and no and no one else wants to read it. Okay, um, I found this with getting reviews. The people that we've succeeded in getting reviews from like louder than the war are people that love music period full stop mm. okay they're not worried that this isn't being produced by random house or favor and favor all they see is the content okay and um i wrote to eugene last week just thank him so much for this review you know to say look you obviously recognize this is just a little cottagey thing and you've you've looked at the content rather than who's pushing it okay mm. but i still think that that stigma does still remain that self-publishing, or even though you get to get your own voice across, it's like, oh, we can get it, and you couldn't get it published elsewhere. When in reality, it could be a publisher who hasn't seen a vision for it, or has wanted to di- to dilute it. I, I understand put, the put stigma. The sausage factory, you mm. know. Yeah. I I fully understand the stigma. I feel that ultimately, there's once a time where distribution would would make or break a publication, and it's only large publishing companies that could control that. Now, through the, the glories of Amazon and online marketing and and just word of mouth, yeah, you know, you can self-publish and sell and yeah, have right. it funded through the glories of Kickstarter. And in a way, Kickstarter stamp of approval speaks volumes. It's the public speaking, isn't it? Absolutely. It's the public the, saying, mm. here is my money. Absolutely. Whether it be a fiver or a pound or twenty-five pounds to get a signed copy, it's that that that's that's your endorsement, isn't it? That, that that somebody wants something, and that there is a market. How long did you run the Kickstarter campaign? You got no for? choice, Andy. It's two months. Is it two months straight across two the months. board? It's two months, and I panicked because we had a lot of work to do. You know, we we had to blanket message all of the all of our Facebook people and Facebook gets quite rightly Facebook gets gets um knocked if you do too many messages. So uh, so yes. that, then you get blocked I, for two days mm. and you think, I can't send any messages we've only, we've only got 60 days to get this funded. Um I thought you could do it for 90 um which gave us more time, but I now see 60 is the perfect model because 90 you go on day one, oh, I'll find that at the end, okay? Urgency. Absolutely. And with Indiegogo, we could have gone with them and you'd have got all of the money, whatever it was, okay? We had, we had, a, we had a funding target, but with Kickstarter, if you don't hit it on the, on the nail, you don't get anything. Whereas Indiegogo, you can, you can still fall short and get, and get what they've... Um, and get what they've, what they've accrued. But that, that 60 day was, six day period was extremely stressful for us, extremely intense, because you're just firing on all cylinders, trying to get interest from, from everywhere you can. We went over target in the end. You went over target. Yeah. How far into the campaign did you get that, that target? Um, we, we was got it to, day 59? No, or? no we, we, we got to a point where it, we didn't think it was going to get done, okay? But I was getting emails from other people that were looking closely and said, listen, we've been, we've been through Kickstarter. Don't panic. You're definitely going to hit, okay? And I said, yeah, but we're, we're 60% short. They said, yeah, but you're, it's definitely going to hit, okay? Um, and it got to like a few weeks later and it still wasn't, a couple of weeks later, it still wasn't happening. And I put a message with Dad's approval on Facebook saying, this is not going to yeah, obviously the world isn't ready thank you so much for trying 
blah, gone. Okay, we're probably going to use this just for fun now and again now, but not, not post anywhere near as prolifically as we used to. Okay, next day I got a massive contribution from a very big pop star into the account. I'm not going to mention his name. It's it's a very, very big name, okay? And I went back to him and I said, are you sure? And he said, I could see you needed a bit of a a bit of a boost. Do you want any more money? And like an idiot, I said, no, because that one contribution, that to you is only like a minute's money that you've earned, okay? But to us, you've probably turned our campaign around. And then I told the fans, "This we're back on track again because that contribution was was enough to cover like a week's a week's loss, you know." And then we funded a week before, and but, but we still said to people, "Look, the book's still going to be there if if you, if you want part of this first deluxe version because the first deluxe version we spent a lot of money on it." So I said, "Look, it's going to happen. So if you want part of the deluxe version, let me know, okay? Let us know, and then you can you can have one as well." And we funded about two grand above target. That is incredible. And the proof that the idea has wings, the way that you delivered it has wings. And with the the right ethos and people supporting what you're doing, you can achieve anything. And uh, I guess it's a tribute to your to your father and your hard work as well as that of the of the other two that uh, you know you're you're here sitting with me a copy of the book yeah. to the right of me yeah and uh, if you don't want me asking what was in the deluxe package that kickstarter supporters you've got i don't really i don't really visit about it you, you've, you've got flaps on that <laughs> so you yes. got you, you got you got flaps there the um the, the cover is is picked out a lot more with a lot more detail um the inside, though, isn't any different from from the from the version that that Chris has got, that Chris Topham's got. Did you know about Chris Topham? No. Okay, this is, again is really important as to the whole ethos of the of the project. Chris Topham runs a little um, label called Plain Groovy Vinyl. Okay, is is to call it passion is is an understatement, and uh, he realised that um, he couldn't get a lot of his favourite albums on vinyl anymore. Um, so uh, and he's he, he's an airline pilot. Okay, and uh, he, I don't think it's a secret, he, he got a lot of overtime over three months, a lot of money, okay, like 30 grand or something. And As you do, yeah, change. Yeah, and he said to his wife, look, can we pay this off the mortgage or can I start my baby? And that is to actually create vinyl, okay, of, of, of bands that I want to hear. And I think it started with him speaking to Frank Dannery from, from It Bites. And he, he said, Frank, I'd love to hear your, your record on vinyl because of the depth. And he goes, well, it costs a lot of money to get, to get, an album, to get something on vinyl. And um, Chris started this process whereby he would not only fund recording of albums, but he would actually fund them being pressed down to vinyl. Chris has been talking to, to us for a, about three years. He was in very early because because he's a big fan of Van de Graaff Generator. He read the Peter Hammer reply and thought, this is, what the hell is this in the best possible way? And um, he said in a conversation that I had with my dad, we met him in Heathrow, and we said, look, Chris, um, we are between a rock and a hard place here because we want this to stay in as, as indie as possible okay we don't want to go with a major but we still want people to buy it okay and he said look um through my label i will allow your book to be the only non-vinyl product on 
on the label I say so we, we've got we've got stock now okay so the plain groovy version is almost ident identical to that except you haven't got the the flaps on the inside and there's not so much picking on the um on, on the front cover but um it's great that we've actually got stock that we can sell from an independent like-minded cottage industry thing you know i demand that you give details to this person's yeah. online yeah, presence it's, so it's www.plaingroovy.com slash philpot but if you go to plaingroovy.com just look at it anyway because he put chris differs last album out um he put henry priestman's album out um as from, i said he's done from squeeze and yeah. the christians respectively yeah and big big train do you know them just a great prog band. I, I think he's got connections with um, with Dave Gregory as well from XTC. Oh, right. Yeah, I, I think he's in a prog band now as well. Um, but again, Chris is in it for a love of music in the same way as that we're in it for a love of music. Um, there's an Amazon copy, which a lot of people are still buying. It's not of the same quality as that, but you're still going to get the book. Which is the most important thing, and um, and the is there a non Facebook website for the for the book and for your good self? Um, no. Is it just Facebook? Yeah, I'll edit that out. It's really <laughs> interesting these days. Yeah, you don't. You don't need it. Facebook and the main retail outlet. It, it's yeah. absolutely uh, for the the podcast. Um, I did have a separate website and just realised nobody was Nobody's going looking. to. Yeah, people go to iTunes or they go to Facebook and. I suppose attention spans being the way they are, people don't want to click more than once or twice if they don't have to. I'm quite proud of the fact that um, when you watch Jeremy Carr, it's all Facebook. I saw your message on Facebook. Facebook does this and Facebook does that. And it's and Jeremy Carr's going, I'll never be on Facebook. I think this is one of the best uses of Facebook there can be. Absolutely. We've got a cluster of people talking to each other. They're all adding each other as friends, you know, and it's like this little community. We, I harp on about this all the time with Dad. You know, we've built something and it's really nice. No one swears. It's all very, very polite. They all talk to Dad in character, in using the same words that he uses, that sort of thing, you know. And um, it is one of the few instances where it can be used for the good. And everyone's just having a good time. Your particular corner of Facebook is fluffy. It is sweet. There's loads and loads of love and respect for what you and your father have built. So Facebook, it's not just for stalking no. and for drunken, dodgy messages late at night. Absolutely right. <laughs> and and uh, horrendous tagging. The replies that you've received, get, many of them um, give a great deal of insight into the characters of the artists, from being very literal to just plain silly. Some yeah. of the replies are, shall we say, irreverent. For instance, when... Your father wrote to the Steve Miller band about oh, their wow. hit The Joker. Oh, God, that was so good. I'm a joker, I'm a smoker, I'm a midnight toker. As well as a possible booking of Stevie himself as a magic act. Thanks to Abracadabra. The Steve Miller band's guitar player, Greg Douglas, got back to you. And he was, um, shall we say, descriptive. There were even references to a Russian security associate of Mr. Miller's with the name Rip Yakokov. And um, an explanation as to the meaning of the pompatus of love. Because I speak of the pompatus of love. 
that I will not spoil for people who haven't read the book yet. Obviously, this was a very humorous take on the, the letter. Um, I suppose when you received it, you must have thought, what the hell is this? And should we include it in the book? No, I, I didn't have any doubt whatsoever. Um, see, being as small as this thing is, we, we're lucky to get any reply. And every time we get a reply back from somebody's, like, so, so Roland from Tears with Fears, oh my God, we've actually got a reply. It's actually in the inbox. <laughs> we don't really care what it is. We're just <laughs> pleased that we've got something. But then sometimes we put it online, we, we get it on the website, and then we think, Okay, and then some. This is this is something weird that happens. We had Waitman and we had Chris Difford and somebody else speak all within the space of a day. So you're so excited to get it, you don't actually read them until a week or two later. So I didn't read Greg's reply for a week, and then I went back. I said, I, I said, I know I initially thanked you. Now I just call, call you a git, okay? Because <laughs> the whole thing is when we say to when we say to people do your worst in your reply, okay? Because we always throw down the gauntlet and say, here is your letter, do your worst, okay? And and he did. And we love the fact that we love getting as good as we give. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. it's, it makes it f so funnier for everyone. And as, as we say to the artists contributing now, because we've still got a lot more that are contributing, we say, look, the world is is looking because this is a great opportunity just for you to show what a great sport you are you know so do your worst don't worry about slagging us off don't create what we don't care what you say you can swear we can beep it out and he delivered didn't he i mean rip your cock off that is a solid russian name do you know we got that back in about a day that reply i sent it on the <laughs> really? afternoon and we had it back like the following morning or something <laughs> the i think it's important to people who haven't been exposed to the glories of this book or any of the reviews to outline the fact that the correspondence that Derek Philpott, your father, um, has sent to the artists is in the form of three main categories. The, the, the mini letters, of which my favourite is the one to Rod Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Stewart, no, no, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the, the the very very detailed analysis of a particular tracks, often making reference to other songs mm. that the yeah. artist has been involved with, and the third variety can include an offer to perform in the locality of Bournemouth. In the case of Rick Wakeman, there was serious negotiating taking place in terms of attire and That's indeed right. the, the whole production. And with Steve Miliband, uh, there was also a, a, a magic show that was being considered. We did it with um, Stereo MCs as well. We wanted to use two MCs for, for the 70th birthday, didn't we? Of course, and you had <laughs> Beck as in the sidelines <laughs> with his two turntables and a microphone. Did any of these uh, performances come to light? Did no, but you, as you know in this business, it's very hard getting people together, Andy, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed, the schedules. You know, we've all got schedules. Yes. We've, we've, we've got timetables. It's like, um, we'll get back to you in a couple of weeks, and then we stay friends. And it, you know, that's life, though, isn't it? Mm. So, eventually, 
you that, give that up. That magic show. Oh, no, eventually that magic that show from magic Steve Miliband is going to happen. well appear but if you i think we said in the letter it was important that the, the magic be of a close-up nature and that mr Miller did not reach out and grab you I suppose maybe that's where the negotiations came they hit a, a bit of a it wall. could be that he might have wanted to reach out and grab you and that's why it didn't happen i know he's he's not you know you gotta look at pli as well you know, he's going into a public arena like a wedding or a birthday. Yes. And uh, if, if if the close-up magic goes wrong, then I think he's got public li- liability insurance, indemnity insurance up to about £10 million. But if a, a bridesmaid says, I really did object to you reaching out and grabbing me, you know, that, that, that £10 million could be gone. And given the whole definition of the pompatus of love, they, they could be not just catching the man's hand. There is that. I hadn't considered that. I Which, wish I could forget about it now. Indeed, but yes. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. When bands put a set list together, they have to put a lot of thought into how the the rhythm of the night or afternoon, because there are those kinds of engagements, will roll when it comes time for a band or an artist to put together the running order of songs on a full-length album, a similar consideration needs to take place for the audio journey that the listener is about to sign up for. For yourself and your father and Wilf and co, you had all of these replies and all of these letters. How did you go about putting them in order? Were they, I presume they weren't done chronologically based on what you were telling me earlier. So did no. you treat them a bit like the way a band would an album running in order? In one, you've done it. That's exactly, that's exactly what happened. It, it, was, it was tortuous to do it. And when we did the mini, the mini letters, um, we've got... Um, Richard Ponsford is a designer. He, he's, he's, that, that, we, we used his company called Live Road Design. When we knew the, the book would be funded, we were flooded with fan, fans and friends saying, look, I'm a fan. I know you're being, like, you're being flooded with these requests, but give me a chance to get involved. All right, I, I can see things in this book. It is just totally up my street. And he sent me some illustrations. Of I thought, this could well be the guy. We really hit lucky. Um, he put the breathers, he called them breathers. The, the, mini, the mini letters were letters that they were either throwaway things we did on Facebook, okay, or they were just things we didn't get replies to, okay? Um, so it was essentially we had those in there because they broke the content of the, of the, of the main bodies up. But as I said, firstly, we, we, it was getting down from 130 to 65 letters. And after that, we would change them every day in the same way as a band would change a set list or or, or, or a, dish, a DJ would ch- change his running order. Mm. I'd say, no, it doesn't run. That doesn't work with that one. Or, very crucial, uh, Rick Waitman, okay, that was talking about getting the getting the Pastonbury together, getting the festival together. Then we had Stereo MCs. I thought, we can't do that because one's invited him to that and he's invited him to do a disco. It's, it's the same thing, okay? So... If we had a story repeated, you know, in a similar letter, we we had to make sure that letter was about ten away from the other one, okay? Otherwise, it would look the same because it's all about 
reading the first five letters and to know if you're going to enjoy your book or not. Although I've been told that this is the ultimate toilet, but no one's going to finish it in one go. You just, you just dip into it, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, it was all based upon the quality of the reply and how far it dif- it differentiated from from other replies and, and letters in the book. It was tortuous. And up until publication, up until print, I was saying to Richard, can we, can, can we take... Um, can we take stiff little fingers out and can I put the adverts in before it? Can we put, after, oh, the members. Oh, that's the other thing that happened. Sorry. As we were getting closer and closer to, de- to deadline, Black Grape, I was saying, look, Kermit, if you want to be in the book, and also the the Corgis and also Paul from Paul Dover from Manson, if you really want to get in the book, you really do want to do it. The clock's ticking. We're, we're, we're printing. Oh, bloody musicians. Ruddy musicians, <laughs> but they all delivered. Yeah, yeah. So those were last-minute additions right those down the, the wire. Three. And Kim Wilde. Kim, I was, l- absolutely love her reply. She was great. And yeah. the fact that she was very much in the spirit of what you were after, and I like the fact that, you know, she didn't claim to have written the lyrics herself. Looking out a dirty old window Down below the cars in the city go rushing by Then gave her own analysis. Yeah, that's lovely. Which I thought was absolutely it's beautiful. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still worried about that wave as well, by the way. There's a new wave coming, I warn ya For the kids in America Whoa. Tsunami. Worry, worry when it happens. Indeed. Live life for now. <laughs> you had all of these letters which didn't make it to Volume 1. Is is Volume 2 likely to happen? Is it... Uh, I know that you're promoting this. This book is out now and you are here promoting it. But in your heart of hearts, do you think... Volume two is indeed going to right. when, see the light of day. When it got to the point where we didn't think the the Kickstarter was going to fund, me and Dad just said, "This it probably won't be fun anymore, okay?" Because it's been demonstrated that nobody wants it. But it would have left a right void, you know, because we we just adore doing it. Um, we're doing uh, a column for Ubrock at the moment, which I'm, I'm just doing that out of love, really. Um, because I love Uberock, and uh, but the process of actually getting these columns together is just so funny, okay. And and so it's um, they're based on themes. So we'll do a we'll do a thing about electricity and metal, and we'll do a thing about cars in metal and that sort of thing. We pardon the pun, and uh, and we think, yeah, thousands of people are going to read this, and also it's great fun. So I can't really see a time where we're not doing it because we started it for fun, and it's just. Kind, kind of, we now can't be driving to Sainsbury's and listening to a record and not saying anything. It can't stop. Do you understand? It's a living and growing entity. Yeah, we, 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 we can't do anything else now. And as I said, it's getting easy to get responses now. I've got some big names. I've got um, Neil Innes from the Bond... From, yeah. Oh, the Ruttles and obviously... Yeah, we, uh, wrote, we wrote to him about the Urban Spaceman. And uh, a response is definitely coming from him. And as I think it's going to be quite special. I it's, think uh, that's going to be a special mm. one. Yeah. And so we've got Fuzzbox, Peter Cox, then Jericho. Um, this is from memory. Uh, Peter Cox from Go West. Yeah. We Close Our Eyes. Is that going to be the track? Or? No, I, it's so long ago now, but I think we were talking about... Um, oh, Don't Look Down. Don't We said something along the lines of um, "Don't look down, girl. 
you know you're holding aces and we we, we merely counted that the, the the possession of a particularly strong set of playing right. cards shouldn't really mean that a fall into a precipice or over a cliff is unlikely no oh, indeed if you're looking and you've got the, you've got a, a royal flush you, you can still lose lose your footing the late lemmy would have a thing or two to say about that mm, yeah the then Jericho track. Are we talking about Big Harry by any chance? Or? Yeah, yeah. We, I, 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 what a nice guy, by the way. Mark, Mark Shaw is a nice, yeah, nice yeah, lad. Yeah. See, what happens sometimes is that we'll write in the middle of, of, the, of a really bad part of somebody's touring schedule, and they'll say, "I'm definitely coming back." It could take a year, but we've been talking to, to Mark for about six months and it, it's always it's always very same with Vicks from Fuzzwood it's always very polite I will come back lads it's definitely going to happen but um, basically what we said there was that um, he said that he was struggling to make ends meet and yet refers to a big area okay in which he lives so we're saying just downsize because he lives in London so if he sells up and moves out to the countryside, then with the collateral that he frees up, he doesn't have to worry about making ends meet, does Absolutely. It? it takes an outsider to have to look at the pop star and say, look, that's your problem. This is how it can be solved. Indeed. No invoice required. Oh, goodness. He, he should have paid you anyway, because he would have earned so much from the sale of his London abode that... You know, he would have had what all that equity. He, he should pay you. He should actually fund the I entire campaign. I suppose you, you campaign. could say that Dad was acting as, as a consultant in this case, absolutely, as an unpaid consultant, and that we actually require not just a, a reply, but a percentage of the um, residual amount from the house. Five percent sounds. We could fresh out. I don't want to fall out with him. Eight percent could go to eight. That is the tax deductible. Uh, mm. We'll thrash. I think we're getting bogged down, but yeah, that's him. And mental as anything, they're coming back as well. Good. Yeah. And greedy will the, Smith. Will the um, uh, will the Steve Hackett letter see the light of day? I think so. I think it will because when we wrote to Steve, we it was it was it was. I'm such a fanboy. Okay, I'm a. I'm a we are talking kid. about his tenure in I'm Genesis, a, I presume. Yeah. Yes. Well, right. we, we wrote to about. I wrote to him about supper's ready. And I said, basically, rather than walking across the sitting room to turn your television off, you might be interested in the advent of remote control. Would remote control have been readily available at the time of that song's What's writing? What's important is, I've made this very clear, Dad's made it very clear, is that if a technological advance occurs after the original release, it should be then re re-recorded to take into account that technological advance. I For agree example, with this. do you know the way to San Jose is now redundant with, with the advent of, of satellite navigation services? Yeah, it's it's I'm not going to answer it, but here's a Tom Tom device to assist you in getting I want there. to kiss the bride, maybe with the advent of Mr. Furnish, should now be called I want to kiss the bride group. That sort of thing. Mm. Mm, let's say that Elton John would go to a friend's wedding, perhaps a female stylist. She was getting married. Maybe she would. Want, he would want to kiss the bride then, even though it's not his personal bride. That that's something I hadn't considered. But what we're saying is that I mean, in the way that the suite also said, "Show me the way to Blockbuster," and we said it's now gone into administration. Okay, mm. but we do have Sky Movies. We can tell you how to tune up with that. We think that as technology advances then the song should be re-recorded 
to reflect the fact that that advance has been made. You mentioned Blockbuster. Yes. I have a Mark Shaw story related to Blockbuster. I used to work for a competitor of Blockbuster. Mark Shaw was a customer. He never returned the items that he took what, out. What were they? Do you remember what they were? Yes. It was uh, Indiana Jones, um, two of the films, the first two. He probably still has them. They had to be written off. I had to ring up his mum, Elsie Clark is her name, to chase him. And he was always very polite. Oh, I'll get them to you. Don't worry about it. He, he never... Is this important for us never getting this reply? Uh, yes. I see. Perhaps in those days he did live in such a big area that he could not locate where those films were. Were they the two items, or was that, was that just one of the two items? Was it oh, no, just... two. It was two, the first two Indiana Jones films. You see, as I said to you before, we, we do act on discretion, and me and my father do have a vast amount of email addresses, OK? Right. And we're often asked for them, honestly. Can mm. you put me... Can I have... I can't actually give you his email address, but I could maybe just make... I could air your grievances to him. Yeah, Probably after do. the reply's been received, otherwise it might put the dampeners on getting... The... I wouldn't want to get in the way of a great yeah. reply. But I'm just throwing that out Do you there, really need nice them back that badly? Because They're you could a... probably pick them up in a car boot. I can watch them online now. Yeah. It wasn't it's my the principle, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it hurt me. He was very, very pleasant, though. Yeah, he is very pleasant. I just thought it was a nice way to tie in Blockbuster. Blockbuster! Yeah. Do people come up to you to give you suggestions for songs that should be analysed by your father? Only every hour. Right. And do you enjoy <laughs> these inputs or have you had enough? You don't have to answer this. Some of them are, are, are absolute genius. One of the best ones we had was from a fan who stated that um, we should write to Ralph Mattel on the basis that um, yesterday's papers don't tell yesterday's news. They tell the news of the day before yesterday. Yes. And I think that's yes. a valid, valid point. I've got one. He didn't come back. Oh, I can imagine. I've got one for you. I don't Go want on. to be one of these Go people. On. Go on. The band, The All Saints. The song, Never Ever. Right. The opening line, A few questions that I need to know. A few questions that I need to know. How you a few questions we need responses to. So yes. they're, they're, I mean, they're on a sticky wicket before they've even asked the questions, really. I, I mean, occasionally somebody may need questions. If somebody hasn't been particularly well briefed for an interview, they might need to go to the, the researcher and go, a few questions, I really need them now, I'm about to interview so-and-so. Yeah. But in the context of that song, which seems to be about relationship politics. I don't think these questions would need to be obtained or, or requested. I know where you're going. We've had a similar thing with Guns N' Roses recently, whereby all sites have gone to the stupid expense of actually hiring a recording studio to ask, ask that question to the person mm. when really a phone call or an email would have done it. And Guns well, N' Roses say recently that what well, they said in 1987 I'm on a night train dad wondered how they were able to get all the equipment onto the train and a generator 
and presumably not get in the way of the other passengers in the carriage and sing about the fact they were on the night train rather than waiting until they were after after they after they alighted, they could then go to a studio there and say, I was on a night train, thereby not putting everybody... And you've got to look at freight, haven't you? You've got to look at the costs oh, of the generator. Disturbance to passengers. Yeah, How especially close were they the, to the, the flight cases. Mm, cumbersome. Why could they not have just said, I was on a night train, but decided not to tell you about it then because of the inconvenience it would have cost to other passengers, they're called, the customers. They're not called passengers anymore. Back then, I think they, they would have been called that, but uh, does, does, does that mean that Iggy Pop would now have to record a song called The Customer rather than The Passenger in order to reflect the, 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 the revised customer charter in that the fact that passengers can't be called passengers? I am a passenger. Iggy Pop has come indicated that he didn't earn as much money from his back catalogue as he deserved. If that song was titled I Am The Customer, the customer. would that have had a, a far more wide-reaching demographic in terms of... No, but it, it would have been factually... Acu- it would have been factually mm. factually accurate. Um, in the same way as that the, the monkeys say, take the last train to Clarksville and I meet with the station, then it's not practical because of where we are. So we'd have to take the overground first of all, then the, mm. then the channel. Mm. I'm not sure if there's a transatlantic connection to Clarksville, but they just haven't thought it through. And also, if the last station, well, if the last train's at 4.30, mm. no, if it means that if he meets you at 4.30, then it obviously implies it's a very limited service, doesn't it? Take the last train to Clarksville and I'll meet you at the station. That's the last train. Could be Sunday service, which you don't know where he's travelling from. They 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 they, 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 they haven't presupposed. It's like Chrissy Hines says, two th- you know, two thousand miles is a very long way." She doesn't know where. It's not in a stealth aircraft. Certainly not. You could travel that in no time. You've got to know about the person that you're singing to, without being. In the press recently. Um, NASA apparently indicated that they found a way to be able to get a spacecraft from Earth to Mars in a ridiculously short period. And Chrissy Hind really should have thought about that before going to that direction. I'm pretty sure she was sent an email, but it got to the management, so they said she wouldn't be interested in the response, even though she'd never seen it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> from experience. <laughs> No, that didn't happen to Chrissy Hine. We didn't write to Chrissy Hine, but we do that a lot. We write to the artist's management and, they, and we say, would you like to get involved? And they go, no, he's looked at this. This is this is puerile. This is puerile. <laughs> this is the man's art. And then and then we get a phone, then we get a, an email like later on, two years later. Oh, um, so-and-so pop star told me about he'd replied to this letter. This is fantastic. How do I get involved? Yeah, but we wrote to you two years ago and your management said that you didn't want to do it. No, I've never seen it before and before today. Bless. Management, they just get in the way of having a good time. I have another one for you. Go on. Do you mind? No. Thanks for obliging me. Okay. The ban Thin Lizzy. The song Jailbreak. Yes. Have you I know where you're going with this tonight one? there's going to be a jailbreak yeah, somewhere does. in this town. Yeah. Presumably it will be taking place in the jail. Well, I thought, obviously, this this comes up. We we did this one a a few years ago. The only instance in which I think they might be able to get away with it is is if they were on the Isle of Sheppey. 
because I think they've got three prisons there. Right. So the idea that if you have a locality, be it a ward or a borough or an island, if there are several prisons, it it gets them out of jail, as it were, lyrically. If there was one prison, then to advertise the fact that there's going to be a jail wake somewhere in this town... Right. Obviously, it's probably going to be in in, in the prison, okay? Right. But we think it could have been a smokescreen and that if the emaciated people were... Thin Lizzie were in um, the, on the Isle of Wight, then they could have thought, well, we'll be breaking out of this prison, but if we hint that it's another prison, all of the, all of the people will be there and we can probably get out unscathed without being... It's the same thing with It Bites, actually, mm. because what happens with it... With, with, they, they hadn't thought it through in that they said they're calling all the heroes. They're shooting up the town boys. Now, what we said to Frank Dannery was, you can't call all the heroes because you have to have a surplus of heroes so that if the, oh, most of the heroes get to this event mm. and then there's a breakout event goes somewhere else, you've got some spare heroes that can... Obviously, yes. Otherwise, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. Strategically, and the other thing we're saying thing. is that my... All my family always told me self-praise is no praise, okay? So for a hero or perceived hero to, to, to respond to that, to that call means mm. that they think they're heroes. Now, a hero would never call themselves a hero, would they? I know. It's no. Not a very British thing no, to do. Exactly. Mm. So just to just, just, just see the parallel I'm oh, drawing I, there. I certainly do. With Thin Lizzy having just, there's three prisons there, and they say well, there's going to be a jailbreak somewhere in this town, go to that one. Okay. <laughs> Talking about heroes, and that brings to mind the the military. In I believe it's the letter to Captain Sensible. Yes. Your father talks about his time in the National Service. That's right. Being in Singapore. Yes, he was. And very, very um, proactively reminded Captain Sensible that some manners should be employed with regards to those moments when you might not be able to hear somebody, and instead of saying what. Yeah, excuse me, pardon. Exactly. Hey, I, I, I did not hear you. Could, could you, do you mind? Absolutely. He said, Captain. I said, what? He said, Captain. I said, what? We're looking to do a book launch. Mm. And have you, see, have you seen the selfie collage? Yes. Okay. Well, my dad can't get out of the house. If, um, and the, the place we're looking to the launch has got a spiral staircase. Um, so... When people say, well, I, he has got an ongoing problem with his legs, and yes, he was a profer, and yes, he... So I try and build up what he is into the letters as much as possible. So it's, I can't say it's brought us closer because it's impossible for me to be any closer to my dad. It's mm. impossible, okay? We love each other. But I've certainly lo- learnt a lot more about what he did in his life, that I, stuff that I never would have asked about, because it helps the letters. My dad... It, his favourite artists are like Bread and Neil Diamond and some of the Garfunkel. Um, but it was important, I thought, that I got his take on these new records because he wouldn't know if it's a band rec- recording down the road or if it's a, a megastar. Mm. So therefore, the beauty of somebody that, that is naive about music listening to a lyric is they haven't got the padding that you and I have got as musical no experts mm. saying... You can't say that about that band. That's so and so. Or yeah, but they. 
if you're listening to it, the work in isolation, you're going to get a much more balanced view of whether the lyric makes sense or whether there's any funny issues if you don't know and you're going to get that through a pensioner or somebody that doesn't that doesn't appreciate music do, do you understand that mm-hmm. yeah it wouldn't be funny if if somebody of my age was to do it you know knowing what i do about music because just people just come back and say well that's just a smart addict thing to say but if it's written from the from the bias of somebody who when I said to you before about my dad saying, but you've got 10,000 friends on Facebook, somebody who doesn't really understand, mm. you see, that's what makes the great comedy about it. It's a, a naive charm, a naive in the sense of not having bias or knowing the There's backstory no of the music. Yeah, yes. and that's yeah. the beauty in it. Yeah. And that the, the, the lyrics are taken in just at face value. Absolutely. And there is a, quite a beauty in it because obviously you and myself know that musicians are going to shape the phrasing to fit the melody, sometimes as a major afterthought, uh, particularly in the days when you'd be spending God knows how much per hour in the recording studio. And and sometimes things would sound better than they would read um, on the page. And I think there's a, a real beauty in in what your father does, but also how he manage, manages to sometimes in pun form even to mention other songs that the artist has done and album titles and, and whatnot. It really is a, a thing of beauty. Yeah, they, they, they take hours to craft and this is why sometimes if, 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 if an artist says I'll get involved and then they don't for whatever reason, we, my dad goes, we spent hours. Mm. You know, sometimes the letters take day, a week. The toy letter took a week. We knew she'd be a great sport. We never know what the actual artist is really thinking, okay? Because because it's it's in and out. We say to them, once you've replied to us, unless you want to keep in touch with us, we will never we will never darken your door again out of respect and a love for you doing and coming back. Now, we've met a lot of we we've become friends with a lot of pop stars, okay? And um because it's they see us in some way as some kind of a peer because because we're being read and it's it, and it's it's they see us in the same on the same platform as them in a, in, a, in a Twitter sort of way, but what Julianne said was that, um, and Chris Difford said we've been asked these questions for, for years. Okay, Pete Hamill said that as well mm. about um, a plague of lighthouse. And what, what does a plague of lighthouse keepers mean? He said it's really great. Julia said it's so great to get get this down. Okay, in. In, in a printed form, in a humorous way, so that all these people that have been asking me those questions in pubs and in, you know, backstage, for, we could just say, there it is. Yeah, buy this book. <laughs> buy this book. <laughs> That's the answer. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for once, you, you, you can defer to a, to a book to do the, do the hard work for well, you. With Squeeze, you see, I'm a, I'm a Squeeze fan so much such a big fan Every, i've got everything ever recorded but when i did the letter with dad we, we just got with that i thought let's do up the junction okay so we stripped it down and we got to took her to what is it what's the lyric took her to an incubator mm. where 20 minutes later she gave her to her daughter and dad said you go to the incubator the baby goes to the incubator but only if there's complications <laughs> they were i thought that's just 
absolutely spot on. And then Chris Difford said, oh, I've been asked that question so many bloody times. <laughs> so many people. And what I was saying to you before, we never know what the artist's reaction is, but sometimes we get we get it afterwards. Like Neil Hannon mm. through through Tosh Flood or Chris Difford came back and saying, I didn't know what it was, but it was great fun. You know? <laughs> His his reply is so lovely and the, he gives his own critical take in terms of how the, the whole kind of Philpot clan are. It it's, talks about something about <laughs> just listening to the radio and I, I look forward to your next missive. Martin Coonga did the same thing from the Mock Turtles. He basically wrote back and talked about us rather than a reply to say, mm. you, 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 you know, you, you're... you're Championing common sense, he didn't even talk about his. Didn't even talk about the letter. He just said, "What a great thing we were doing." <laughs> yeah, well done. Can't yeah. be, can't be asked to answer yeah. what you're saying, but well done. Yeah, I thought it's good enough. And it's Martin Coogan. He's a great bloke. And when your father was in the throes of analysing a particular track, was there anything that he was introduced to that he then developed a love for? that he wanted to hear more examples of that particular work. Like for instance, it, it does happen a lot, and it's mm. really strange for somebody of his age mm. to say, I, I want to hear some more Devo or yeah. something like that. More you know? of that or Frank quite Turner, like... please. Yeah, he does like, yeah. Frank Turner was a no-brainer for me because, um, again, what I said before about some of the lyrics being flawless, Frank Turner was got to by a fan, and she said, yeah, I'm up for it. So uh, we looked at the lyrics, and I said, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. Mm. We can't... It's, this is flawless. He's talking about life on the road. To the east, to the east The road beneath my feet To the west, to the west But I haven't got there yet and to the Then we just found one little chink. We could. That's the one. That, that's yes. it. We got it. We got it. <laughs> All this painstaking research. It, it was like finding King Sometimes King you say, no, too. I can't find anything. And with Frank Turner, I left him for six months. I said, no, I said, look, look. <laughs> we went back. We said, Mr. Mr. Turner, we, it was like an audit. We have looked into your catalogue and everything is in order. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we looked again six months later and we had nothing else to do. Ah, uh, yes. The horizon has a door. No, it doesn't, Mr. Turner. Oh, two yes. pager, a two pager. <laughs> so you struggled all that time yeah. going through probably yeah. many of his songs. Yeah, yeah. and it <laughs> leaps out. I face the horizon. The horizon is my home. The one thing about fans of Dear Mr. Kershaw is that it doesn't extend just to musical fans, but musicians themselves indeed the musicians that you've targeted and you've got photographic evidence of this we're very conscious when the the, 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 the artist is doing a, a great favor in, in in coming back to me and my dad's ramblings okay so uh we always say to some uh, at close of play thanks for your reply it's brilliant you're never gonna we'll, we'll never darken your door again okay but a lot of them we we, we we become friends with because we talk to them on the same level and like we're really grateful and we talk and the so yes, um, we started to, as a matter of politeness, we sent the contributors a book because it was out of love that they did it for us and it was a great thing for them to do. And um, a couple of them sent us pictures of them with the book. I thought, mm, if I could get that from most of the artists, then a picture of them with the book as part of a big collage should be a, a great selling tool and a great way of, 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 of bringing it out to the public and maybe looking at a book 
a, a book launch. And uh, we've currently got, I think, 15, 15 to 20. But I know Kim Wilde's coming back. I mean, it's just really funny seeing people like Nick with the book and, you know, the undertones and you can go through the list they're all there divine comedy the christians da, 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 da. and, and we, know, we, we know we've got more to come but actually seeing that that's when it hit home to us my god not only do the fans love it the the contributors also love it to the effect that they're kind enough to show like Justin Curry you know doing a belly laugh mm. you know and having that collage it's a real seal of approval that you know, you're doing something right and how well loved your father's ramblings are I know it's beautiful it's quite touching to look at it and then I think Bruce Thomas said to me he said you can't buy that public if you tried to get a press officer to get that done that would cost you thousands of pounds hundreds of thousands yeah. just to get that and it's happened organically yeah that's a thing of beauty where can people find out about your doings on okay. the book of face well you can just put in Derek Philpot and we'll add you probably Unless you're going to spam our wall, okay? Because we get a lot of people like to think about Listen, the fact that we've If you're one of them spamming people, you can naff <laughs> off right now. You're not allowed. So they they can Dad find their way to the group Dad via. Dad said to me recently, "What? Why is it we don't accept everyone?" I said, "I said, but they put spam on your wall. Just imagine a pensioner hearing that. He, goes, he, he literally is about to go outside the front door. Where?" <laughs> I'm a bit hungry. <laughs> Where's the spam on my on wall? My wall? <laughs> no, but I uh, know you just put under Derek Philpot, and we'll, we'll, chances are we'll accept it. Or um, we've got Dear Mr. Kershaw, a pensioner writes, is a community page, and we've got Derek Philpot as a community page as well. And it's via these parts of Facebook that people can see the photos of many of the artists that um, are featured in the book and holding all, said book. Absolutely, and also new replies, with which we, we get them now and again. We've got a few coming up. Kenny Thomas is coming up. Do you know him? Oh. What a great bloke. Thinking about your love. Yes. Yeah, yeah. we're talking to him on the phone at the moment. He's a lovely bloke. Uh, but also... We, We'll often put a Facebook update up and that becomes the germ of getting the reply back because a friend of a friend will get a reply. So we're putting silly stuff up every day. So you can did, see the did, gestation did, did, of a new letter. Did, well, we, we, we sent it to, we sent one to Fiddler's Dram last week. We just didn't send it. We just put a Facebook update up and it's got to them. It's got to them because a fan will read it and say, have you read this Fiddler's Dram? Yeah, no. The premise was that um, they said they had a very lovely time the day they went to Bangor, but they all came from Canterbury. Now, that is a 620 mile trip. It takes about five or six hours. They say they had lunch on the way, a bottle of cider, they went to the fairground, mm. um, they, went, they had eels, chocolate ice cream, and all for under a pound, you know. Now, even taking into account 1979 prices, to expect to actually fuel a vehicle or pay a fare and get all of that for under a pound. Impossibility. Well, we wanted more information because we said if it was possible, we'd like to um, replicate the trip and then boast about it on TripAdvisor. <laughs> so the north of Wales will suddenly get an upsurge of interest. Yeah, all for a pound. And that's how it works. We'll put the update up and then suddenly, a year later, or so, we've got a reply from Fiddler's Tram. <laughs> nice So one. get involved, because our fans are also, they talk in character to us. It's a little community. We love them all. And also, if you know a pop artist of note from any era, ask them if they have received a letter from Derek. 
It's called Have They Been Derricked? Have They Been Derricked? Yeah. <laughs> Have They Been Derricked Yet? And would you, be, would you be up for a Derrick? <laughs> yeah, I think you need a jolly good Derrick. <laughs> <laughs> It's truly a testament to our guest's dream that this hilarious slice of very British, lyrically-focused pedantry became realised. Dear Mr Kershaw, a pensioner writes, is a right ripping read, and I highly recommend that you go out and buy not one copy but several. Family members of yours will want this. He's not exaggerating in the slightest. I'm pleased to report that David will also feature on the next instalment of the Dookie Radio Show. The chat will be musically focused, but this time with a difference. Rather than discussing the lyrical anomalies of many a tune, we are going to go in deep about a band that, sadly, a lot of people haven't heard of. True originators of prog. They're called Clouds. Despite the fact that the legacy of Clouds can be heard in prog bands like Yes, Genesis and Emerson, Lake and Palmer, they remain unknown. Find out why on the next Dookie Radio Show. You've been listening to our interview with Derek Philpott's son discussing Dear Mr Kershaw, a pensioner right. My name is Dookie and I've been your host. Until next time, may the worst of tomorrow be the best of yesterday. Now it's time for me to go and uh, <clears throat> pop my weasel. Thanks for listening. Half a pound of tuppenny rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. <laughs> Is right. Click your way to the Dukey Radio Show Facebook page www.facebook.com forward slash the Dukey Radio Show. The Dukey Radio Show. The Dukey Radio Show. This is called It's Not Easy Being a Poet. Well, it ain't easy being an audience member either. <laughs> <laughs>